Disney movie Return to Oz. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tierney Steele. I'm the other co-host, Mike Carlucci, and I I can't believe we're in the last, we're in the final days. This is crazy! (laughs) Um, We are continuing our analysis through these credits. It's a great chance to talk about some of our favorites, things we've learned, and then also some new controversies and ideas. Um, but this isn't too controversial a minute. It's minute 108, which starts with our scrolling credits. Uh, I had left a little bit of a cliffhanger on Friday. Would there be more makeup artists? There, there weren't, just two of them. But we do have chief hairdresser Patricia McDermott. And the minute ends with us just starting the credits for optical FX. So um, my first note for this minute was big props to the property masters because I was a techie in high school and I've never forgotten the techie tenant. Giveth not the actor thine props before absolutely necessary for they will break or lose them. That actually sounds like a very reasonable guideline. Yeah, yeah. Also, you have to use glow-in-the-dark tape with discretion, but that's okay. It's fun. Anyway. I, I had a whole list of them that maybe I was super cool and hung on my door most of high school. <laughs> um, what was your first note for these credits? <laughs> uh, first note I had was for Animals Trained by Mike Culling. I have a too! I, I originally was like, oh, look up what else he worked on and ask how he feels about chickens now. I don't know about chickens, but... Holy cow! Has he worked on some of our favorites? Yeah. Like three of them, perhaps a trilogy. <laughs> the yes, the uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy, the trilogy that preceded the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and the unknown or unnamed uh, Harrison Ford is now a very old Indiana Jones that is possibly still coming. That is still in the future at the time of this podcast. But may be released by the time you're listening. Yeah. He seems pretty determined. Yeah. And I, all I could think when I saw that, that credit, I mean, of course, there's, there's the monkey. That's probably most people's thought. There's some horses. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about the camels. <laughs> How many camels? I, he trained at least five camels. <laughs> and if I learned anything about television from the Olsen twins, that means there were 10 camels on location to get that shot done just right. That uh, the the twin sitcom rules apply to camels, but you never know. Um, yeah, he was animal handler for the first two, and then animal consultant on Last Crusade. So I wonder if it was just like, hey, we're getting the gang back together. Yeah, and he had one appearance as an actor. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite credit. I'm so glad you saw that too. Go yeah, for it. okay, he was in an episode of Doctor Who in 1972 as a uh, uh, unit manager guard. Uh, obviously, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm missing. I don't have his title down. No, it's um the IMDb is unit guard with Alsatian, which I think is how he got this actor credit. <laughs> um, one of my favorite plot points in, or not plot points, trivia bits of history is Alsatians 
are German Shepherds. You might think like, oh, it's, it's two different breeds. They're slightly different. Obviously, they're related. No, no. They decided during World War I that they wouldn't call them German Shepherds anymore. They would call them Alsatians. But then the most famous Alsatian was owned by Hitler. So they went back to German Shepherd because logic. Everyone enjoy your freedom fries. Um, that's, that's, just un- that's just an unfortunate turn of events. I, I'm so sorry to bring this minute down right out of the gate on Monday, but history. People have been he- fallible humans throughout all time. Um, yeah, that episode was one of the, in the Day of the Daleks, which is, I believe, one of the really famous Doctor Who stories. Oh. Uh. I know it's come up a bunch of times. Um, or I'm just a really big nerd that Day of the Daleks has come up a lot in my life. No, I, I think you're right. I'm I'm very negligent in my classic Doctor Who. I've, I've seen literally the very first adventure of the first Doctor, and then only the the, the reboot since uh, <laughs> uh, the, the modern incarnation. And I saw the TV movie where he's in America, and there's... It's incredibly 90s. Okay, well, you've beat me because I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't watched a lot of classic Who. I've seen random bits here and there, but I really like listening to The Doctor's Companion, which is a dueling genre podcast, because they do little, like, episode summaries, and they do a story at a time. So they'll have, like, Day of the Daleks Part 1, and one of them will go through exactly what happens in that part, and then they talk about it. So even if you haven't seen it, and I'm never going to track some of these down, but you don't feel totally lost in the discussion. It's it's really well done. Yeah, I've never gotten around to checking checking those out. I probably should. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good way to know like a little bit about classic Who without having to deep dive and really get into. And I read um, Wiped, which is all about the lost episodes, which was really fascinating. Um, it's by oh, there's a box in my way it's by richard mole we're all picturing this box now that's obscuring the last part of richard's name (laughs) (laughs) well because i realize the title wiped isn't really gonna help you guys like that could be a lot of things um (laughs) sorry i was just cutting off the end of it and it's on its side (laughs) um it was a classy moment in my life um but yeah, I, I don't know. And there were chickens in the scene with uh, Marcus on the train platform in his schedule yeah. getting his morning papers. So th- th- I he worked with chickens again a few years later. I don't think there are any in Alien 3 or Sleepy Hollow, but who knows? There, there might have been. Also, so I mentioned he's listed as like dog handler, animal trainer versus animal consultant. Yeah. He's snake handler in a TV episode, which makes me think Radars, he was probably pretty important. But for Sleepy Hollow, his last credit, he is Animal Wrangler, which I I know it's just a slightly different version of trainer and handler, and it's it's more a coordination instead of working with a specific animals, but man, what a what a job title. What do you do? I wrangle animals. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, hey, I I tried to get the, the title of Wrangler at my current job. I literally asked really? my boss uh, when I when my job description was being changed if I could change from being an analyst to a Wrangler, and <laughs> it 
the long story is, or the short story is, it would have been a lot more paperwork. Uh, so unfortunately, it did not happen. Aww. You know how HR would have to get involved. I, I how would I justify it? That was it. But Mike Cullens. So you mentioned Sleepy Hollow. The casting director from Sleepy Hollow, Susie Figgis. Mm-hmm. Reuniting. She's pro- she was probably doing some of the casting and was like, and someone might have mentioned an animal. She's like, you know, I worked on a guy who once trained a chicken. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. We keep bringing up Belina, <laughs> but Belina was almost never an animal. So it he probably, yeah, we keep going on about chickens. And... Most of his time on Return to Oz is probably not Belina, but there were other animals. The, the chickens. I was going to say, literally every other chicken. The, the, the cow, the one cow, unless it was Uncle Henry. No. Yeah, I'm holding to Uncle Henry. Mike Cullen can take care of the horse. That's fine. Yeah, the, there were horses. I still maintain there's no cow. We hear a cow. We hear one, one move. One move to rule them all. Yeah. And as we see in the in the final scene with the house fully built and, you know, all the chickens and the fast chicken, <laughs> if there was a cow, if there were any other livestock, they would have been in that final final tour of the farm. <laughs> oh, maybe the fast chicken was running to him. <laughs> hey, cow, you're uh, going to miss your screen debut. <laughs> um, if, if we're emotionally ready to move on from animals i have a woe in all capital okay so i've been going on about this music london symphony orchestra this is some grown-up real production stuff this isn't your in-house orchestra this is for realsies of all the symphony orchestras london is up there (laughs) okay okay i just have to say this might be one of my favorite department of redundancy department the London Symphony Orchestra, founded in 1904, is the oldest of London symphony orchestras. Maybe there's a London Philharmonic. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, it makes sense that there would be, a, a, you know, that London could support more than one. It's just like, that's what you're going to lead with. Yeah, you'd think you'd want to say something like... <laughs> and it's awkwardly phrased so that it's literally the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was no room for... Uh, like the history or founded by and that's why this one is distinct yeah it's the oldest yeah and and it could be the oldest but then just of london's symphony orchestras it's just just some awkward wording um i'm just looking up to see where they play looks like there's two visitor infos barbican center or saint luke's saint luke's the one i hope out um I'm going to stop being distracted. Um, I'm going to take this moment, though, while we're talking about music, to give a shout-out to my poor put-upon sister, who foolishly responded to my text saying, hey, if I send you a clip of music, can you transpose it to piano for me? (laughs) And she did. (laughs) And then she sent it back to me, and we figured out how to get it so that we could use it as our theme music. So I very much appreciate that. I'm sure my parents didn't send her to get her bachelor's in fine arts musical performance for four years of college (laughs) so that she could make a podcast theme for me that's like eight seconds long. But 
I appreciated it. And I know, Mike, you did too. So. Yeah. We... Thank you, Elaine, if you ever listen to this. <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about it another way, it took the Star Wars Minute guys until their sixth season to get uh, custom music. <laughs> I mean, just saying, we, 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 had, that, we had that idea down. Okay, the London Philharmonic Orchestra is one of five permanent symphony orchestras based in London. But it's not the oldest. not the oldest. (laughs) If you learn nothing else today... There's also the the Philharmonia and the Royal Philharmonic. Uh, Who plays in Albert Hall? (laughs) So, okay, so we, that's... Other than the Beatles. (laughs) Plus the London Symphony Orchestra. That gives us... Uh, that only gives us four. <laughs> that gives us four of the five permanent symphony orchestras. I don't know why this doesn't list all of them. Oh, the London Symphony and the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Okay, so oh, London okay. Symphony. BBC's got to sneak in there at the end, huh? <laughs> London Philharmonic, the BBC Orchestra, the Philharmonia, and the Royal Philharmonic. <laughs> so, someone out there. You could use us for Jeopardy. Uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, probably. He wants to be a millionaire. I don't know. Is that still is that still going? Are you the weakest link? I, I don't. I don't think so. But well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I am not a connoisseur of current game shows. <laughs> yeah, but five <laughs> symphony orchestras. So there we go. We've done our. <laughs> We've done our duty for the, the symphony orchestras yeah. of London. LSO is the oldest, 1904. We're good. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then we have, I just love, there is a whole section for mechanical characters. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, in this movie, fair. Um, and it's separate from the mechanical effects unit. <laughs> um, I'm just looking to see if we have any crazy, like, you know, I enjoy... A crazy name and there are some great ones but nothing that's really popping out to me we have so under mechanical characters goodness gracious this is a tiny tiny words characters based on original drawings by John R. Neal with additional designs by Gary Frutkoff and then we get our you know creature design supervisor Lyle Conway senior designer Tim Rose we've, we've talked about a bunch of these guys. It's a trap. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we do finally, for all that I've been going on and on about pre-MGM, we get some names associated with that. <laughs> yeah. Artingstall is a great last name. Sorry, you can tell I'm a writer because I'm always just like, ooh, that's a good name. Got to remember that one. <laughs> Stephen Commodore Norrington. Ooh, what's, what's his position? He's a designer. One okay. of the designers. Paul Paul Jiggins. Whoa. <laughs> I have a great name with a great title. Director of Model and Process Unit Visual Effects Consultant, Zoran Parasic. Wow. So if you're ever trying to come up with a name that starts with a Z and you don't want to be boring and use Zach, Zoran is an option. Zoran Parasic. He, he could be like the... He, he could have been in Oz. <laughs> Maybe he was one of many uh, uh, Oz residents to come through <laughs> and provide uh, testimony on 
how to get it right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the it, consultant, it's right there in his title. <laughs> it comes after many words that mean not that, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone else stand out to you? <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting just to see uh, Stanley Sayer as the matte photography consultant. Hmm. Since we no longer have all of these wonderful like matte paintings and effects really in movies before everything was if if you saw a big scene oh it's a matte painting and they look incredible and i i don't understand it i know half the stuff in star trek Uh, you know they they had exterior shots in the next generation and in the early movies and they're paintings not cg Mm. like i can't even imagine some of the the things that were uh, matte photography that uh, i'm assuming matte photography is somehow related Maybe a, a, a picture and then yeah. it's used as a background in some way. Or maybe it's just the production of the pictures. I probably I'm need just... to know more about film creation. It's, it's fun to study. I'm having a really fun time playing with uh, our, our new best friend, Stanley Sayer, has initials after his name, which I always have to look up. And it's RSC, which I just kind of assumed, like, yeah, this is a British production. Probably it's the Royal Society of Cinematographers, right? I mean, that seems like it could totally stand Oh, definitely. For it. Let me try. Society of... Okay. There's the British Society of Cinematographers, which would be BSC. Now, I don't know for a fact that that isn't it, but when you start doing RSC, it's just Royal Society of Chemistry, RSC related to matte photography comes up as the Romanian Society of Cinematographers. Oh. Now, again, I don't know that that's right. I'm just saying I'm not finding what I expected to find, but I am finding Romanian websites, which is super cool um, and very prolific. Oh, we have great translations. The Romanian Society of Cinematographers was founded to keep awake the professional cinematographer's spirit and to promote new techniques whom already are spreading around the world. Nice. I'm sure it doesn't have the grammatical error in the original Romanian, but that's a that's a great first half of that sentence. <laughs> um, anyway, I will stop going down that rabbit hole since I don't even know if it's correct, but there you go. <laughs> it's been a very educational minute. Yeah. As many of them have been. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we are about to get into some special, more special effects. We, we've already started special effects in this minute, but we've got more to come. And we're also going to get some casting credits soon. Oh, I did have one more note. Uh, oh, one of the, cam- the camera operator was David Worley. <gasps> I know. Dr. Worley. I told you he got away. He got away, joined the crew, started, you know, work. I mean, camera operator, machine operator. Oh, yeah. Oh, he'd be all over it. Yeah. He... I'm so... Whoever's head gaffer better look out. He, he'll want your light bulbs. Yeah. I'm, I'm just picturing him with a really, like, a, a really old crank um, <laughs> camera. And he's, and he's like, oh, and this must be his... Uh, this must be his arm, and he's he's the third base coach, and he's sending you home as he's turning the crank. <laughs> if Nicole Williamson could have performed that line, it would have been much better, but... <laughs> you know, I, um, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> for everyone at home, I was making the go home uh, <laughs> sign with my arm. So. Oh, I had no doubt. <laughs> All right. We're not going to top that. We should call it a minute. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, <laughs> if you've made it to minute 108 and don't know that we're on social media at OzMinute or that our website is returntoozminute.com, what you doing? Come check us out at those places. We've got all sorts of fun behind-the-scenes stuff and favorite theories, and hopefully this one will be a new favorite theory of everyone's. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you can come in through the back door, weogtiogpiog.com, which takes us right into the end of the episode. Weog. Tiog. Piog. The third base coach, <laughs> and he's sending you home as he's turning the crank. <laughs> <laughs>